you may ask. How did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I'm Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking to our learning stuff and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com, and, of course, I will answer as many as I can. You know, the weather is... I, I must talk about weather all the time. I can't help it. Here we are in Michigan. Yesterday... I went to school without my coat. And I like coats. I like to be warm. Yesterday, I go to school without my coat. By the mid-afternoon, it was the mid-50s. You could have thought you were in April. But we're in February. But don't worry. Because probably by the time I walk out of the studio, there's going to be snow on the road. I mean, they usually get it wrong. But at least they're threatening. There's a winter advisory, and they're afraid of slick, slippery roads and snow and ice, you know, from this afternoon all the way through this evening. I mean, I can't really complain. Like, if you get an extra, you know, couple days of 50 degrees in the middle of February, you know, it's not, you know, I want to complain. But, um, you know, come on. What, what was wrong with, with 20 years ago where you got to the winter it was cold and cold and snowy and cold. And then slowly, slowly things warmed up. And then you're into spring. Now it feels like we have two seasons, winter and summer. I don't happen to fall in spring. I love fall and spring. But it seems we have lost them. I don't know. But before we move on, to all my dedicated listeners, I know you guys love the show and I do need your help. Let's help the show spread. Let's pay for what happens around here. I need you to go, go to my homepage, please. Hit that donate button. Leave a name. I'll give you a shout out. Memory of. Happy birthday. And of course, in advance, I do thank you. So we were talking on the last show. We're going to continue. We're talking about Jethro. Right? Who's Jethro? Jethro is Moses' father-in-law. And interesting, the verses even mention the fact. You see how the verses, when Jethro, when Yisro will describe himself He's more proud of the fact that he is the father-in-law of Moses than he is that he was the high priest. I mean, high priest is a pretty big title, right? Not everybody gets to be high priest. But his proudest, I don't want to say accomplishment, because I'm not sure what you have to do to get such a good son-in-law, but he's most proud, if that's correct English, that Moses is his son-in-law. He is the father-in-law of Moses. So he comes with Moses' wife and two children. As we again we talked about in the last show, we won't spend too much time now. But when Moses was on his way down to Egypt to speak to Pharaoh, to tell Pharaoh to free the Jewish people, he had his wife and children with him. And somehow they are no longer with him in Egypt. He must have sent them back. He did send them back. We talked about it in the last show. If you want to go check it out. Um, and he tells them when I when the Jewish people are on the way to Mount Sinai, when they cross to the, to the Red Sea, and you'll hear all about it. 
So uh, you make sure to head towards Mount Sinai and you'll meet us. So very interesting in the language of the verses. So Jethro comes and he sends a message. And he says in the message, Moses, um, I'm here with your wife and her two sons. Ushnei vaneha, her two sons. Now, I don't know if I want Moses to come out and uh, if not for me, for your wife, not for your wife, for your kids, why are you referring to your sons as hers? They should be referred to as his. Moses come out for your two sons. But the verse says that Yisro comes with Zipporah, with the wife of Moses, and her two sons. Why are the sons referred to as the wives and not the fathers? Which is probably not too PC nowadays, but that never stopped us. So an interesting story. There was a, a, a head of a school. His name was Isaac Sher. A brilliant, he wasn't a psychologist, but he really was a psychologist. Like he understood human nature and he used his understanding of human nature to help people deal with the evil inclination. And he had students and those students actually went on to become big, I guess we'll call psychologists. But again, they they were busy helping people. Um, I have a book from one of them, I forgot his name offhand. He, He helped to deal with the prisoners in Israel and and uh, whenever big rabbis in Israel had, had difficulties with, with students, the biggest questions would always go to this guy. But he was a student of this Rav Isaac Sher. Anyways, Rav Isaac Sher one time was walking with a student around 11 o'clock in the morning, and a lady pushing a baby carriage was uh, probably frazzled, and she almost ran over this rabbi with her baby carriage. She doesn't even apologize. She just like, whatever, and just moves on. The student of Isaac Sher was incensed. Who does this lady think she is? You, the great of Isaac Sher, walking down the street. She doesn't even have the common courtesy to look where she's going. She doesn't even apologize to you. So Isaac Sher said to the student, he said, you know, let's think about things for a second. You know, how it's 11 o'clock in the morning. Probably everything I've done this morning was for myself. I got out of bed, maybe I took a shower, got dressed, got myself a cup of coffee, had breakfast, prayed, studied, dealt with some students. That was my morning. This mother probably didn't sleep very much last night. Um, All she's been doing is taking care of her family. Probably had to get them breakfast and get the kids dressed and get them out of the house and, and take care of her husband and get him out of the house and maybe clean up a little bit, maybe get some laundry in, and probably now she's on her way, maybe she's going shopping, I don't know, Maybe shopping for who? For the kids? For the baby? For the husband? Um, maybe saying to the kid to the doctor. She hasn't done one thing probably this morning for herself. Everything she's been doing with her little bit of sleep has just been to make sure that her family is functioning in a healthy way. Give the lady some slack. All right? So she almost ran me over. Give her some slack. Right? In other words, it's the mothers who raise the children. Which, by the way, is a great lead-in 
um, when Moses, when Moses um, speaks to the to the Jewish people, and he goes up to speak to God by Mount Sinai. So he comes down, a very interesting phrase, Ko Somar Levnei Yisrael, Vesaged, I'm sorry, Ko Somar Levnei Yisrael, Vesaged Levnei Yisrael. It's like a double phrase. So you will say to the house of Jacob, and you will speak or tell to the, uh, to the children of Israel. So Rashi says that Moses actually spoke to the women first. He must have had a specific message for the women, and then he spoke to the men. And to the women, he's supposed to speak softly. To the men, he's supposed to speak strongly. Why? Just get everybody together in a big uh, field and start telling what God wants. Well, we're talking to the ladies first for Like, why? Like, we love women, but, but wh- why? So Rashi says, the women need to understand how important their job is. You know, running a house... Like, okay, they make jokes about it. It's like being a CEO of the house. But, but it, the fact of the matter is it's true, right? They really don't have a second to take care of their own needs. I know my wife just went away for a few days. So what do you think happens? Okay, I have a daughter at home, so she helped out. My sons are not going to be so uh, helpful. But there's breakfast and lunches and preparing supper, which, of course, when the wife is not home, you go buy pizza, Right? And, and there's laundry, and, and there's keeping the house clean, and there's cleaning the dishes. And running a house is a lot of work. Running a family is a lot of stuff. So the mothers need to know that when the Jewish people are accepting the Torah, it will never work if the mothers, if the women are not on board. If the mothers and the women are not on board, it ain't happening. Two generations later, you're done. The kids ain't going to go to school. They're not going to be interested. They're going to find other things to do. If you have something that is important to you, that you want to inculcate your children with, if the mother-wife is not on board, you could forget about it. You could be the greatest speaker, and you could have the best incentives and pay and who knows what. But if the mother is not involved... If the mother is not on board, it's not happening. Therefore, Moses has to speak to the Jewish people. He has to speak to the women first. They need to know it's not happening without you. And that is the answer to our question. What was our question? That Jethro comes down and says, I have your wife Moses with me, Zipporah, and her two kids. You've been gone for a while. You ain't taking care of them. And even when you are home, you're not taking care of them. Right? So children are the mothers. It happens to be very interesting, and this is not the time or place to get too involved in this topic, um, but it happens to be that um, in divorce, when we're trying to figure out who should be taking care of the children, not almost always it should be the mother. Again, we don't think that's fair. I understand. We're men. We, of course, want one also to have uh, some type of custody. I'm not saying you can't talk to your kids and deal with your kids. But when the children are young, I believe um, at least up to six years old, nowadays probably longer, um, you got to let the mother take care of them because the, the, the men are clueless. You're busy working. You're busy running around. You're busy taking care of life. And it's not a game. You can't. There's no way that you can actually take care of children. It's mothers who have the ability to take care of children. 
And they're the ones that have to raise the children, and, and the mother's love is what's going to create a healthy environment. So when the kids are little, you got to leave with the mother. That, that's just the way it goes. Right? They've got to be healthy and well, you leave with the children. But that's the point that Jethro says, Yisro says, Tzipora and her two sons. Okay. So it's interesting. So Jethro says, Moses, if you don't want to come out for me, come out for your wife. If you don't want to come out for your wife, at least come out for your, for your two children. Was, was Jethro concerned that Moses wasn't going to come out to greet him? What was, what was he worried about? Hello? If my father-in-law calls me and says I'm flying into Detroit, um, I am not telling him, and I never did, to take an Uber. If I'm in school, if I can't get him, he's coming at a bad time, and somehow my wife and I can't get him, we actually will get a taxi driver to meet him. But I don't think, not that he's come that many times, but I don't think in all the years that he's come out to visit us, someone goes to the airport to pick him up. Um, I may have had some of my children pick him up, but generally speaking, I was one to pick him up. I know, it could be my wife also, but, but you go pick him up. Father-in-law's coming, father's coming, mother-in-law's coming, mother is coming. Somebody comes, they, they appreciate that you're taking care of them. They, they're older, they want to be taken care of. And if they come to the airport, you pick them up. Most normal thing in the world. So why then, why then is Yisro concerned? Why is he afraid that Moses won't come out to greet him? What's, yeah, if you're not coming out for me, come out for your wife. You, you, you don't want to come out for your wife, come out for your kids. Why do you think Moses won't come out for you? And furthermore, Especially, it, it, I have a feeling it was understood that if Jethro is coming, that he's, um, that he's coming to convert. You know, Moses took out millions, millions of Egyptians. They were known as the Erevrav, the, the large mixture. And as when, when we were leaving Egypt, so all the bandwagon jumpers, all the Egyptians said, oh, the Jewish people are winning, I'm on their team. So Moses didn't even ask God. He allowed them to join the Jewish people. Now, he was supposed to ask God, and he didn't. So this, uh, we suffer because he allowed all these Egyptians in. But, but if Moses took all these riffraff, all these, these, these uh, again, the, the, the people who want to join the winning team, right? Um, why wouldn't he accept his father-in-law? So it says, interesting. It says like this. Till now, the Jewish people were on the bottom. We were slaves. We were persecuted. The Egyptians wanted to turn us into, you know, less than animals. So if you want to join the Jewish people, now this happens to be an interesting rule, that when times are great for the Jewish people, we don't like to accept converts, or perhaps we don't. It seems in the time of uh, King Solomon, they did not want to accept converts. Okay, he had his wives. I'm not sure what happened over there. But for the most part, we didn't want to accept converts because you're joining us because we're on top. And when things are bad, what are you going to do? In the time of the Romans, when the Romans had taken over um, um, Israel, 
So then there were a lot of converts. And we accepted them because you're willing to join the Jewish people where, when we're on the bottom. Okay, so, so you're for real. So when the Jewish people on the bottom, we're open to converts. When everything is great, some say when the Messiah comes, the lots will want to join the Jewish people. We may not let because what's the value that you're joining the winning team when we won? Join when we're on the bottom, when we're persecuted. Then we know you're real. So when Moses accepted those Erev right? So it, we, we're going into the desert. It's true, we, we ten plagues, and we got it. But at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're slaves. You got to figure the Egyptian army is going to get itself together and chase us. We're going into the desert. We don't have supplies. We don't have food. We don't have an army. You have no idea what you're getting yourself into, and you're willing to join? Great. But by this time in our history, by the time Jethro shows up at Mountain, at Har Sinai, at Mount Sinai, we're getting ready to get the Torah, we already went through the Red Sea. We defeated Amalek. We have a permanent water supply, the well we talked about, the Miriam. We have the manna from heaven showing up every day. Now we're on top. Now life is good. Now, of course, everybody wants to join now. So Jethro, Yisra was afraid that Moses is going to say, sorry, you're too late. You can't show up when everything is great. You got to show up when, when we're struggling. So that was the concern. Zara Shimshin says this. That was the concern that Jethro had, that Yisra had, maybe Moses won't accept me because now I'm coming when things are great. <clears throat> so continuing to talk about, again, this uh, the meeting of Jethro and Zipporah and Eliezer and Gershom. So the Torah makes a point to tell me the names of Moses' children. Moses' children have interesting names. Gershom is from the name, I was a stranger there. Meaning, I'm a stranger in the land of Midian, and I need to go home. And the second son is Eliezer, because God saved me from the sword of Pharaoh, that I escaped Egypt when Pharaoh was looking to execute me because um, Dustin Avim had tattletailed, and told Pharaoh that Moses had killed an Egyptian and buried him in the sand, and they tried to execute Moses, and Moses escaped. Now, if you think about it, right? I mean, these are personal names, it's true, but they, they seem to be pretty small. Certainly the name Gershom seems to be a pretty small name compared, like, why don't you name your, why don't you name your kid uh, God Split the Red Sea? You know, Indians were very good at, like, long names explaining miracles that happened, right? You know, God killed all the Egyptian firstborn. Right? God turned the river into blood. Like, it's a lot of big things that happen. And you seem to be naming your children after small happenings, small occurrences. So I think that's really the lesson in the... Otherwise... 
I mean, my, my students ask me, like, who cares why? Okay, you want to tell me what the names are? Fine. But I need two verses to tell me why Moses named them. They're not even, it's not even being named after, like, earth-shattering events. So the answer is, that's exactly the point. That's exactly the point, right? You can't forget the small miracles either. God is forever taking care of us. God does great, amazing miracles for us, and God does small miracles as well. And it's important that we remember and appreciate and recognize even the small stuff. People who recognize the small stuff, people who appreciate the small stuff, you can be sure that when somebody does something major, they'll for sure recognize, because I know how he acted with the small stuff, Imagine what his response will be on the big things. So, at the end of this week's Torah portion, the end of Jethro, the end of Yisro, so we talk about that the Jewish people received the Torah. And the week leading up, God is praising the Jewish people, telling them his feelings for the Jewish people, refers to the Jewish people as his amsegula, his Treasured nation. So I saw a story in 1957. Um, the Russians set up, sent up the Sputnik with a, dro- a dog that was, I guess, driving or piloting or at least sitting in the pilot's chair. They wanted to see what happened, and they sent this dog up. So I know again, it seems again we're trying to head towards the moon. Check it out. I don't think anybody wants to live on the moon exactly, but. I guess you never know. I guess, I guess we, we like to explore. We like the idea of going to the moon, going to Mars. Very good. But anyways, um, when the Russians sent up a dog piloting or driving or sitting in the driver's seat in the Sputnik, so there was a man who commented and said, I hope that we're not like that dog. What do you mean? Just think about it. That dog has a food supply. I mean, you can't send the dog up for however long it was uh, circling the earth, right? You can't send it up without food, right? So you got to imagine the dog is eating, is drinking, maybe looking out the window, maybe sleeping, right? Do you think the dog realizes that the whole world is talking about this dog in a spaceship. And all the dog is doing is eating and drinking. He does, he's cl- This dog, I'm saying he, but I have no idea. Right? The dog is clueless that he is clearly the most famous animal in the world right now. If he'd be a person, he'd be the most famous person. He happens to be a dog. The most famous dog. And has no idea about what he's doing and how important, at least at that time, his actions were to the world, right? So we also as people need to keep this in mind, okay? right? The world, we are on a mission. And the world should be talking about each and every one of us. But instead it's God talking about each and every one of us, that we have our specific job, our specific mission, 
our specific importance, everybody. Everybody is here. If we wouldn't have a, an important reason for being here, then we wouldn't be here, right? If we have no job, if we have no mission, if we have no value, so God doesn't need us, so forget about it. It must be that every single one of us that is here has his or her job to do. And God is cheering us on. And we are sitting back and drinking our pina colada. And we are sitting there munching on our chocolate cake. I say chocolate cake because I like chocolate cake. Right? Or having an ice cream cone. Or sitting down for a yummy steak. Or, or just taking a nice afternoon nap. Now, I'm not saying we can't do those things. Of course we have to do those things. We're living, right? We live in a world. But we need to remember that there's way more to this world than just sitting back and relaxing. But the music is playing. And I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all our wonderful sponsors listening. I can't do it without you. Thank you to my wonderful production team. I have David in the back. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRF Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it.